No Junk Mail presents Hidden Treasures, read to you by James Von Felt. Midwinter is tempered with Valentine's Day. I wonder who thought that up. I suppose we should be grateful since it seems to come at a very bleak time of the year. That is, unless you're deeply involved in school sports, such as wrestling or basketball. Professional basketball doesn't seem to have the excitement in the farmland that high school wrestling has. Maybe you have to throw a calf to understand that. Anyway, time seems to sit still about now, and people look around for things to do. I stopped over to Grandma Laurel's for a cup of coffee and a chat. You've heard me talk about Grandma Laurel. I even quote her. She's one of several of our not-so-hidden treasures. We consider our elderly to be an important resource for spiritual guidance, practical knowledge, and wisdom. You don't come by that by accident. It takes work, a lot of experience, and years of hard knocks to develop. Another thing, it seems that they don't sit idly by watching TV in the corner either. They're actively involved in family life, in the community, in school activities, in whatever's going on. Ed Amstead's is up there near a hundred now. I saw him the other day at Smitty's, our John Deere dealership. Guess what the topic was? You guessed it. The mechanics were grilling Ed on how he keeps his Model T running. It's famous around here, and it's always in the 4th of July and corn show parades. But back to Grandma Laurel. She lives on Main Street in the blue house just west of the gas and grill. The house is a one-level bungalow with two bedrooms and a separate garage. It was built in the 1920s, but somewhere along the way it was modernized. has a poured basement, hot water heating system, a wood-burning fireplace in the parlor, and a water well in the basement. Her vegetable garden is east of the house. Quilt-making equipment was set up in the parlor, so we sat in the dining room to talk. Seems a few young ladies are learning to hand-stitch quilts this winter. We moved to grow light and seed beds to make room in the dining room. Grandma Laurel's getting ready to start her early garden seeds on the radiator by the east window. Once we got settled with a cup of coffee, Grandma Laurel started filling me in on her background and experiences. Where to begin, she said. My grandfather walked all the way to Iowa from Buffalo, New York when he was a young man. He had two boys, my father and his brother. Grandpa lived in Bloomfield, and he had a farm south of town. He was an exceptionally energetic, entrepreneurial type. Started the dry goods store, the bank, bought and sold horses, and was a traveling salesman, too. He would take the train from town to town all the way to Denver, Kansas City, even Chicago. Sold all kinds of goods. I was born on a farm near Lancaster, actually closer to Ghost Springs in Harry Nation. We moved to a different farm on the outskirts of Mark, Iowa, when I was about five years old. 
The old two-story square house is still standing. My dad farmed, but he also did other things. Grandpa would involve him in his deals, such as buying a herd of horses for him to break and sell. There was always something happening. It was an exciting time to grow up. There were seven kids in my family, four girls and three boys. My mother taught in the one-room schoolhouse in Mark. Both of my brothers taught school in the area, too. I was reading early. We all loved music and played various instruments. In those days, you made your own entertainment. An old Indian would come around twice a year to give us music lessons. He could play anything and taught us all he knew. I was playing the piano in Bloomfield Movie House for the silent movies by the time I was 12. The piano was natural for me. When I was 14, I went to live with my music teacher in Albia. She prepared me to go to Iowa University to study music. I was practicing classics every day as I finished high school. The Great Depression hit when I was in the second year of my music studies at Iowa University. We didn't have the money for me to continue music, but I got a grant to enter nursing school. A few years later, I graduated as a registered nurse. It was very unusual for a woman to have a university degree in those days. My dad bought a farm north of Bloomfield when I was in college, and after graduation, I moved back with folks. I had a job as a nurse in nearby Bloomfield. I rode my horse to town. Rural towns didn't have hospitals in those days. They had clinics where sick people would come and see the doctor. We had the Gilfillan Clinic. It was famous. All five of Homer John's sons became doctors. If you were sick and couldn't get to town, the doctor would come to you. Doctors made house calls in those days. I can remember many times when we would have to do surgery in homes. I would ride my horse to the paved highway to get in Dr. John's Model T. We would go to the farmhouse. I would assist Dr. John with the surgery right on the kitchen table. We sterilized the instruments in the oven. Dr. John would leave me to nurse the patient till they recovered. One summer, I took a train trip to Denver with my grandfather on his sales route, as he called it. I loved the excitement going on at that time. They were having new gold strikes in the mountains around Denver. The original gold rush was in the 1850s, but new equipment and processes brought new life to old mines. When I got back to Bloomfield, I could hardly contain myself. And soon, Mary Lee Johnson and I headed for Denver. Mary Lee was my best friend and a nurse's aide at the clinic. Denver was teeming with people excited because of the new gold strikes and because it was a center for cattle and other commerce. It had paved streets downtown, a public trolley pulled by horses, and a real three-story hospital. It was the most modern hospital I had ever seen. 
Doctors did surgery in special rooms, and there were many beds for patients to convalesce. Mary Lee and I had jobs the first week we were in town. The hospital was right in the center of town. We lived in a hotel across the street but didn't spend much time in our room. After work, we went exploring the nightlife. Now, there was no nightlife in Bloomfield, so we really didn't know what we were doing, but Denver was booming. People were walking around town even until late at night. There were so many new things to see and do. On weekends, we would take train rides to the mining field boom towns just to see what was going on. Boulder, Black Hawk, Central City, Breckenridge, and others like it were great places to visit, and the scenery was gorgeous. The old mines were being reactivated. The new miners were striking it rich. It was like a dream world, but it was real, and we were having the time of our lives. It was on one of these trips that I met Dominic. He owned a mine just outside of Breckenridge. It was the old Lomax Placer mine being reactivated. He had promoted and sold several mines and was developing this new strike himself. He had a crew of miners working for him. One thing led to another, and soon Dominic came courting. About that time, Mary Lee decided to marry a doctor, and I said yes to Dominic. We moved to the Passetti Hotel in Breckenridge, which was as close as Dominic could be to the mine. My first child was born in the Denver hospital. Everything was going great. The mine had hit several veins of silver and gold. The investors were excited. Then union trouble began. The mine was bombed. Several workers were hurt. Dominic decided to sell out his interests and change careers. The oil industry was in its infancy. We moved to Wichita, Kansas, and he began a career drilling oil wells and buying and selling oil leases. He was in one of the first waves of wildcatters that opened up oil fields in Oklahoma. I went back to nursing and my family grew. The Great Depression had slowed everything down, but Dominic was resourceful and kept us going. His brothers lived with us as they came off the farm in western Kansas. When World War II started, it hit us hard. Dominic couldn't get gas to travel, which was essential for his oil business. We also had a juice bottling business. That was closed as we couldn't get sugar to make the orange drink he was selling to the stores. We sold our interests in both businesses and moved to where the jobs were, Portland, Oregon. The new shipyards on the Columbia River between Portland, Oregon and Vancouver, Washington were begging for workers and paying top dollar. They needed to fill 40,000 jobs as fast as possible. America needed fleets of new ships for the war effort. Dominic smelled opportunity. We moved into government emergency housing on the Washington side of the river, just outside of Vancouver. 
I got a job as superintendent of nurses at the main hospital in Vancouver. Dominic tried several jobs in the shipyards, then landed a great job promoting USO entertainment for the war effort. When the war was over, Dominic was called to Denver to help develop a new lumber business. That lasted for a year. We then moved back to Wichita and restarted his oil business. I continued nursing in the Wichita hospitals and retired after working for Boeing. When Dominic passed away, I moved back to Iowa with my son. That was 20 years ago. There are lots of friends and relatives still around that I knew from years ago. There are so many interesting things to do here. I keep busy. Grandma Laurel paused a bit and I jumped into the conversation. What advice do you have for people entering retirement years, I asked. Grandma thought for a moment, then rattled off a list for me. First, I'd say don't retire. Don't stop being engaged in meaningful work. Next, look forward. Don't look back. Don't reminisce about the good old days. After that, exercise. Get your heart going and spend time with people younger than you. Lastly, and most importantly, Keep close to the Lord. How about that, she said. The timing was perfect. The back door was rattling. Someone had come to visit, and my time was up. I thanked Grandma Laurel and just stood there marveling at her, all five foot one inch of her. She is something else. So that's it for now. From where the corn grows tall and pigs fly. Take care. All my love, Grandpa Jim.